This is Alex. And this is James. And you're listening to the American Toffee Podcast. What is up, everybody? Alex here, joined as always by James. Greetings. Today, we are going to talk about Everton versus Brighton match preview coming up over the weekend. Um, First off, I just want to talk a little bit about the fact that we're we're aiming to continuously improve the show. With that, we want to start kind of keeping to more solidified segments, um, just like any other normal TV show or maybe a lot of the other podcasts do. So today we're going to start off with our general news bits, which we usually do, but now we're calling it something fancy like news bits. Right, James? Very original and uh, groundbreaking, as we are known to be. But nonetheless, one is is somewhat retroactive. Uh, but last weekend, when Tom Davies started in central midfield against West Ham, that was actually his 50th career start for Everton, which is super exciting. And I'm actually surprised none of us kind of caught it ahead of time. I assume Everton Twitter would have been all over it if we anticipated him starting. However, most of us were still doubters until the team sheet came out. Yeah, Silva really kind of forced us to to question whether Tom Davies would ever get a start again. Really promising to see a player of his age already at 50 appearances. We know he has a lot more to offer and a lot more development to do. But I mean, last weekend, he was a, a really strong performer. And I hope that he retains his place in the squad and continues uh, the good run of form and, and is able to grab his this opportunity with both hands and move forward and become a, a mainstay in our squad if he's able to do so. Yeah. So next up real quick in news bits, uh, Morgan Schneiderlin was kind of at the center of a lot of positive news over the last couple of days. Yeah, a really wholesome story. I'm sure many people have seen it by now, but if you didn't, there was a fellow blue whose mother tragically, unfortunately, passed away the, uh, within the last couple of weeks. And I guess one of her signature things that she would do was every night before bed, she would tell uh, her kids, "See you in the Morgan Schneiderlin." And um, you know, reminiscing on that, the the her son sent Morgan a DM and sort of told him that. And, you know, not expecting a response, obviously you email or message a professional player. You don't anticipate them really ever responding in any capacity, but apparently Morgan responded in really quick fashion and offered the family tickets to the next match. And they had a really nice photo op, a really wholesome gesture from a player who many people have said many unpleasant or negative things about over the last couple of years since his arrival at Everton. And it just shows that above anything else, these players are human. They have personalities, they have thoughts and feelings, they feel sad. And I know Morgan, having had his father pass away last year, probably strongly empathizes with with the blue. And so it, it was just a really good gesture and, and a heartwarming um, move from Morgan. And I think, you know, we all taking a step back from what's on the pitch, uh, you know, you just have to recognize it's a really good human wholesome moment. Yes, it is. I mean, I wish, I'm sure all of us wish that we were in the position to be able to do something like that um, at any given moment, but... Unfortunately, we we aren't, at least to that scale. But nonetheless, it was fantastic to see, uh, you know, Schneiderlin is definitely like a fan scapegoat, but nonetheless, uh, I I don't think uh, James and I can kind of change that. (laughs) So last little news bit, and this one's one's a a much lighter topic, I'd say. Yerry Mina, after his performance against West Ham, which was monstrous, made FIFA 20's Team of the Week. So if you play Ultimate Team, you can attempt to find the big Yerald Mina fancy card in your packs. 
Yeah, and he also made Alan Shearer's team of the week, making multiple teams of the week. I think he really passed the eye test. And like we talked about on our post-match show, like Michael Keane actually had the better statistical performance, but I think Yuri Mina just on the eye test had a better game. And really, I mean, his goal that was ridiculously disallowed, of course, very unfairly. Um, really good good signs from the big Colombian. Of course, we'll get into it in a little bit, but he did pick up an injury. Hopefully he's available at the week. Yes. So moving on to the next segment, this one we've done maybe only once, I think, but it's going to be a mainstay. We're going to call it friend of the show. So from now on, um, I, I would say 95% of the time, barring some random reason, on our midweek preview shows, we are going to do a friend of the show bit. And what we're going to do is we're just going to literally find someone most likely on Everton Twitter um, to highlight based on whatever reason, whether that's something cool that they've brought to attention or whether it's a cool um, article that they wrote, maybe a podcast, if it's another podcaster, that sort of thing, YouTuber. So to start things off, we're going to go with Adam Jones, which is at Adam underscore Jones 94. He is a writer for the Liverpool Echo and it's a pretty small thing, but essentially he tweeted a couple of days ago and just pointed out that although we've had pretty bad start to the season, we are only two points away from seventh place Spurs. Uh, and, and might I remind you, Everton fit, sit in 15th place. So we have, uh, whatever, eight teams within two points of each other. So if we can string together a couple of good results, then, then we're right back in the mix with all these other teams. And so... We wanted to highlight Adam Jones because A, he's an awesome guy with a bunch of good content, and B, because as everyone knows, Evertonians, we can get a little bitter sometimes, and we, and we can be quite negative. We've had a lot of negativity surrounding the season and, and all these rumors and, and, and talk on Twitter, and so I wanted to highlight Adam Jones for his positivity, and it's also a very good point. It's a very good point, um, highlighting the fact that this early in the season, it really doesn't make sense to resort to the sky is falling, the world is ending talk because things can turn on a dime and very quickly reverse course. I mean, Spurs, you, you know, you mentioned Spurs in seventh place. They've had what has amounted to a horrible start to the season for them. Talks of Pochettino being sacked. But again, with only eight games played, there, there are so many points still to earn and to be played for. And I just, I just think that I mean, it's easy to say after coming off a win, right? Like if we had lost, we would still be continuing down this line of like Silva's on the hot seat. His job is in jeopardy right now. It just feels like if we are able to pick up a win at the weekend, the the tables will have turned and we'll, we'll be on the right track. And there's no ground this early in the season that can't be made up. So we're very close to a turning point, but we're also just as close to falling right back into the relegation places. Absolutely. Next segment up. This was James' idea. Shout out, James. Actually, as was the last one, to be honest. Um, so what we're, what we're going to do is, in terms of just going through the motions of talking about what our lineup predictions might be, instead, what we're going to do is we're going to highlight three positions that could be changed for this match coming up compared to the last match that we play, whether that's league, cup, um, whatever you have it. So to start things off, one of the main positions that we thought could have a possible change would be right back. So Seamus Coleman, uh, two matches ago, got a red card, uh, which put us in a pretty bad situation. Sidibe came in at right back and actually played really well. I thought that he contributed quite a lot in offense specifically, which we kind of knew was his strong suit at right back. Um, However, now that Seamus Coleman presumably will be off his red card suspension and in contention, barring any injury or sickness or whatever else, knock on wood, um, 
do we see do we see Sadibe retain his place or do we see Seamus Coleman, the primary captain for Everton this season, come back into the lineup? You know, I think Seamus is definitely hoping that he's able to to fight his way back into the squad through training this week. I can't really see it happening just based on the fact that things were so bad before. We managed to win with this lineup and Sidibe, you know, finally getting his first chance, first start as a blue or maybe second start. I think he started one of the cup matches, but first Premier League start and made a really solid impression. So it's like if you play well, it's a bit harsh on the manager to drop you. That being said, I could see a scenario where, you know, did Sidibe benefit from the collective play, collective team playing very well and would Coleman going back in um, necessarily, you know, would he do worse than Sidibe? Hard to say. I still think that Coleman is a stronger defensive asset, but based on what I saw from Sidibe last weekend, I think he's stronger going forward and we need attacking cohesion. And I think Sidibe at this particular moment offers more of that than Coleman. So I think the change is, is not going to take place. So here's what I'll say. I'm going to open up this by saying that I agree with you. And in, in my general opinion, uh, I, I prefer that if you're going to win, you're going and we won so emphatically the way we won, the fact that we should have had more than, you know, just a couple goals, in my opinion, and especially coming after such a bad run of form, you don't change a winning lineup unless absolutely necessary. So I think Sidibe should retain his place. However, I just want to highlight something super interesting. So according to Y Scout, which is just a data website, just like who scored, for example, uh, someone on Twitter, uh, Blindside Run. They do kind of like stats and that sort of thing. They pulled up for the Premier League the most ball, the most forward progressive player on each team. And believe it or not, Seamus Coleman is the most progressive player with the ball on Everton, on the Everton team this season thus far. So this is per 90. He has 3.12 progressive runs per 90, and he has 9.86 progressive passes per 90. Now, a lot of times you'll see fullbacks and defensive midfielders high up on this list because of the fact that naturally most of the time uh, you're, you're only going to be passing forward or, or ideally you're only going to be passing forward. However, just my interesting takeaway from this is you would expect Luca Dean to be favored based solely on the fact that we generally favor playing on the left because of the quality that he has. So I thought it was interesting um, that, that apparently according to statistics, Coleman is the most progressive but I do think that Sidibe should retain his place. All right. And then the ne- the second position we'll discuss is center back because of the injury that was picked up by Yeri Mina versus West Ham. He had to come off as a sub come off uh, in the second half. So as a result of that, if he is not fit by the weekend, you'd have to think he's going to force Marco Silva's hand and he has to make a change. And considering center back is probably inarguably our weakest position depth wise, we're left with likely probably Mason Holgate filling in if necessary. But another name that's been been tossed around has been Lewis Gibson, who had a pretty strong preseason and he's a young player. Does Marco Silva give him his debut in a blue shirt under these circumstances away at the Amex? For me, it seems a little bit risky, but Alex, what do you think about the center back conundrum? So, and, and just to just to add a tiny bit more detail to Mina being out. He was injured over the weekend, but it was confirmed today that he did not train with the rest because of the injury. Right. So right. so today being Wednesday, um, that leaves him you know pretty short of time to get fit. So I just wanted to add that detail. In terms of who should start, if Mina's out, it's going to be Holgate. Holgate came off the bench for Mina against West Ham. Uh, Gibson, 
I'm excited about Gibson in general because we need, you know, more talented, obviously defenders in general. We always like when an academy player comes up, although technically he's not quite a full-blown academy player. We bought him a couple of years ago. Um, he's attracting a lot of interest from some pretty big name clubs coming up into the winter window, which tells me that we probably shouldn't let him go. But nonetheless, it, I think it's going to be Holgate and, and rightfully so. And, and hopefully Holgate, if he does come in, really takes the chance and impresses because we're going to need it no matter what. And, and I really like Mason Holgate. I hope he has you know a good future at the club over the next couple of years. So that so it's looking like if Mina's unable to go, then Mason Holgate's the obvious one to slot in. Um, but moving on to the last position, which would be center mid, a lot of question marks. We obviously have JPG out still injured. Delph, questionable, probably doubtful at this point. It's the hamstring. Um, whether he's able to come back from that in time for Saturday's match remains up in the air. I personally don't see a way he gets his gets into spot in the team based on last weekend's performance. Do you see any potential changes to the center mid positions? Um, Alex, do you, I, I personally don't, but I'm curious what you think. So to be honest, our midfield was extravagant last weekend. And I'll even lump Awobi in there because technically he is part of central midfield. I think, I mean, the way we lined up was a shocker to, I think, literally everyone, not one defensive midfielder. And, and you know, Marcus Gomez made a lot of team of the weeks, Shears team of the week, I think. Uh, furthermore, Tom Davies was highlighted specifically by, by Marco Silva in terms of how well he played and how happy he was that he played so well. The way that we transitioned play from, from defense to midfield to attack so quickly is so important for us and the fact that, you know, we've had issues breaking down defenses and that kind of helps mitigate the risk of, of teams sitting in because you kind of catch them a whole lot quicker and transition the ball. I'd prefer that we stick to the same lineup. I could definitely see him bringing Delph back in if he was fit, but I, I'm hoping as terrible as this sounds, he's not going to be hundred percent fit. Um, otherwise I hope that, you know, he wouldn't actually choose him, but I, I like I like the central midfield that we had. Yeah, and I think if you drop one player, it has to be Tom Davis over Andre Gomez, and I just don't see how you can you can take Tom out of the side after his performance, after you know fighting so hard and being so patient, waiting for his chance to then immediately drop him after such a good performance for a player who has not been playing all that well. I think would be very damaging to his confidence. So again, probably not probably going to see the same eleven. I mean, I'd put money on it. But uh, let's get into the opposition now. We can talk about Brighton and Hove Albion. The law firm, so to speak, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to the Amex this weekend, and Brighton sit at 16th place. They're one point behind us, but they're actually two goals ahead of us in goal differential. They have a minus three. We have a minus five. Their last five matches uh, were a nil-nil draw versus Newcastle, a 3-1 loss to Aston Villa, a 2-0 loss to Chelsea, a 3-0 win versus Tottenham, and a 2-1 loss to Aston Villa where they blew a 1-0 lead and actually conceded in the 94th minute. Um, Interestingly enough, Brighton have only won one of their last eight league matches, which was that win versus Tottenham. And they're actually, you know, they're a pretty progressive side. They're not a team that you would really expect to see. I mean, since they've arrived in the Premier League, they've played pretty attractively. They've won some good games. Um, they're going to most likely line up in a 4-4-2 formation. Aaron Moy received a red card in that 2-1 loss to Aston Villa. So he is out, one of their key midfield players, likely to be replaced by Solly March or C- Steven Alzante, Alzate. excuse me. And what's interesting about Brighton is that they actually are a possession-based team, which 
I think actually favors us, and we can talk about that in a little bit. They have they average greater than fifty percent percent possession both home and away, and so I think you know we struggle against teams that don't want to possess the ball that want to sit deep. A team that wants to possess and come at us, I think, will leave spaces for us to exploit with pace. Um, but they also average about fifteen shots per game. I think at home they're averaging about four and a half shots on target. So they are probably going to create a good amount of chances. And though they beat, you know, smacked Tottenham 3-0, I mean, that game was never really even close. Um, at, and that was at home as well. They, I think that we're going to give them trouble. You know, Tottenham were on a really, really poor run of form. So Alex, what do you make of the Brighton setup? So as you said, I mean, you covered it really well in general, but I think that Brighton are definitely more progressive in terms of play style than most give them credit for. They have looked, I mean, regardless of results, I, I mean, that's easy to say. Regardless of results, I think they've looked somewhat positive. They have a couple of squad players that are kind of breaking into the mix, like Aaron Connolly, a young Irish forward. Um, so so the interesting thing is the the greater than 50% possession, both home and away. That That's the biggest takeaway for me, right, is the fact that when teams possess, we're able to play much better. We perform much better against teams that possess the ball a little more. Uh, so that'll definitely be a positive. And they're at home. And so you know that, you know, they're going to pump themselves up, say, hey, we're not going to let Everton run all over us. This is our home, you know, home turf, essentially. Let's possess the ball. Let's play our way. Something that we've heard you know, some previous managers, Everton managers talk about, maybe not <laughs> walked the walk. But anyway, nonetheless, I think it's I think it's a really positive chance for us to, to, to start building momentum, specifically after the West Ham match. And and really, I mean, yes, 3-0 win over Tottenham is, is impressive, but at the same time, the mental the mental shape, I guess we could call that Tottenham are in it at the moment is is probably I think quite dire and, and and I would take that result itself with, you know, a grain of salt. Yeah, and Tottenham did pick up a good win in the Champions League uh, on Tuesday. So I mean they seem to be turning the tide. But as far as Brighton's concerned in the possession stat, which we keep harping on, what's so important about the 50% possession rate is that it enables us to utilize our press, right? When we have 60 plus percent percent possession of the ball, we don't get to really run at teams and put them under pressure and enforce bad giveaways in their own half. We're res- we resort to letting them play long balls over the top or whatever they want to do. And then we're forced to build up from the back. What we are good at is winning the ball back after we lose it and then quickly transitioning into offense and creating chances that way. And I think, you know, Above all else, that is what we're going to be able to do against Brighton at the weekend. That being said, no matter how many chances we create, we need to finish them. And we have actually failed to score in five of our last seven away matches. Should come as no real surprise to most fans because, well, we know our away form has just been absolutely horrible. And Marco Silva's away form in the Premier League in his career has also been pretty horrible. So it just comes down to can we break down their defense and score goals away from home? And I don't know, based on the fluidity that I saw last weekend, I think we have a really good chance. Yeah. And and the other interesting statistic in terms of goals, we've scored eight goals thus far, all from open play. We have not scored a goal from a set piece, a corner, a penalty. And and actually, according to the statistics, they they group open play and counterattacking separately. And we have scored zero goals from counters. That's much less of a of a surprise because we haven't played any teams that, you know, have possessed the ball to any extent whatsoever. So it's going to be kind of hard to counter someone like Burnley or, or Aston Villa in that, in that match a good while Man ago. City though, Man City. Right. Well, Man City, that's true. Um, so 
With that, it's no news to anyone at all that we need to focus on scoring goals. And so let's talk about some key matchups, just general spots on the field. Um, my first is going to be central midfield. We, we touched on it, but that they were key in our win against West Ham. Obviously, everyone had a really, really good match, but our, our central midfield, the way that they had such high energy, they possessed the ball, they retained the ball, their possession very well. All of them transitioned attack as quick as possible, and that was A, fun to watch, and B, really important. As I mentioned, that that's probably going to be one of the most important keys. We, we can't let them, we can't allow Brighton, can't give them time to reshape, get back into form after we've essentially regained possessions. So for me, central midfield is one of the big key matchups for us. And if we stick with the same central midfield as we had last time out, I feel pretty confident that we can do that, especially with Aaron Moy uh, suspended for Brighton. Right. And what gives our what gave our midfield a completely different dimension over previous games, what I think was the Tom Davis factor. I mean, Andre Gomez returning to the side obviously makes a huge impact instantly. But having Tom Davis in instead of a Morgan Schneiderlin or a more defensively minded player, I'm sure many have seen the stat where he played like the most forward passes of any player last match. And it was quick. It was one touch. It was he didn't try to do too much. He played within his own ability and he was just receive the ball, find someone open forward in front of him and get them the ball and then make a run. And, you know, their defensive work can't be discounted either, because when you play with, quote unquote, offensively minded midfielders, they still do have a job to do getting back and helping out the defense. And I thought Tom Davies, you know, found that balance really effectively. But the other key area that I think we need to focus on is the wing area, whether that be, you know, both offensively and defensively. If we're assuming that both Bernard and um, Theo Walcott will start again, then they're going to have to put a shift in defensively because Brighton, much like us, like to attack down the wings. And so we can't allow ourselves to be fall into mismatches defensively that allow Brighton to have space on the wings and put in crosses because they can exploit that. Um, in the same vein, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Bernard is able to do, uh, get a really good run of games in him because I think he was very unfairly dropped for Alex Awobi. I understand why it had to take place, but it just seemed a bit harsh on him. And I think his performance last weekend showed, I mean, the goal itself, something we haven't seen nearly enough from him in his Everton tenure. And I hope to see more of it, but also just the ability to get into really clever positions and operate in tight spaces, similar to Andre Gomez will be an asset. And then can Theo Walcott continue his run of form as well his resurgence, his reinvention, so to speak, um, on the right-hand side. His pace is going to give their backline a lot of issues if he's able to continue to, you know, he had seven shots last game. Is he going to be able to get a similar number? And is he able to kind of find that end product? Because though he was unfortunate to hit the crossbar last match, um, you know, seven shots and no goals is not something ideally you'd like to see, of course. Yeah, I mean, he was a monster last match. Bernard, he was sick as well. The main thing I'm looking for, it's really simple. I need, We need to see wingers. It doesn't matter who's playing left, right. I don't care. We need to see them start contributing to the stat sheet more, period. We didn't replace Romelu Lukaku when he left, and so striker has been an issue for us. Goals has been an issue for us. Last season, Gilfie and Richarlison split it 13 apiece, 26 of our goals in the Premier League, which is probably, don't quote me, but probably close, very close to half of our goals scored, if not half, from two players is not enough. I need to see our wingers producing five to 10 goals a season, period. Especially if you if you have the quality like Bernard. And, and you can even argue Walcott as well, assuming he played that much. So, so that's what I need to see. I need, I need to see them on the stat sheet. So while we're talking about goals and stat sheets, the most important 
um, arguably the most important part about uh, any sport is is what's on the sheet itself. And not the stat sheet, maybe, but you see what I'm saying? Goals and assists. The scoreboard. There you go. The scoreboard. That's what I was looking for, James. Thanks. What would I do without you? So, <laughs> so, so let's wrap it up, James. The infamous score prediction. Let's see. Uh, let's see how optimistic or pessimistic you're feeling this week. Coming off the back of a win means that I'm all all in again. I'm ready to be hurt again. I'm ready to predict a win and for it to come flying back into my face painfully. So I'm going to be a little conservative, but I do think that on paper we're a better side than Brighton. I think that their style of play actually benefits us. Though our waveform has been horrid lately, I think the team seemed somewhat rejuvenated last week. And so I'm going with a 1-0 win and a Richarlison goal to seal it. Impressive. I raise you. Ooh. I'm going to go 2-0. I'm not going to call goal scorers. However, here's what I say. I think I think the way that it's going to play out, we're going to start fast and strong just like we get it, did against West Ham. Ideally, we keep that pace, by the way. But the energy itself. I think that we can you know, kind of grab a goal decently quickly sometime in the first half, and that's going to kind of push us on as it did last match. And so I'm hoping essentially it'll play out the same way, except for maybe not leaving it till the 90th for Gilfie to hit a screen and and continue rolling. And and you know what? Another another important thing is a clean sheet, specifically away from home. As they say here in America, championships are built on defenses. Very true, Alex. Well, both of us are feeling very optimistic. If you're feeling optimistic too, reach out to us. Let us know what you think the result of the weekend is going to be. If you haven't joined our Discord yet, what the heck are you waiting for? Get in on it. The link is in our Twitter. It can be found in numerous places on our Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you like the show, reach out to us. Let us know what you like. If you hate the show and think we're dumb Americans, also let us know that. We welcome all feedback. Um, and we'll be with you guys uh, Sunday following the match for our post-match coverage. Until next time, up the toffees. Thanks for tuning in to the American Toffee Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at USA Toffee Pod to stay up to date on the latest episode releases and Everton news. And we'll see you guys next time.